My diet is officially over today. I, I'm not going to splurge on cookies, but, you know, I may actually begin to be nicer now. But uh, here's the crazy thing. So Christy's telling me how, you know, you do this Whole30 diet and you never get sick. It's amazing. I'm catching a cold. She is a liar. You know what happens to liars? No, no some kids just come like, oh, oh. And, and I'm eating like crazy, and I'm still losing weight. It's like my pants are falling off. Not literally falling off, but I mean, I'd wear a belt if they were doing that. But I'm just, it's horrible. Someone goes, see, you, you eat better, and you eat a lot, and you, lose, and you still lose weight. And I thought, I don't want to lose weight. I mean, like, nothing. By the time I'm done with this thing, I can't stand to lose much. Okay, anyway, sorry. Uh, just got one thing before we start. I'm going to uh, give you a little planting roots update. Uh, last week we had an, an all-church business meeting, and if you uh, didn't make it here, they all asked me to talk about this, so I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Uh, planting roots is a, is a journey that we all went on about a year and a half ago. And it was the whole idea that Element has to be out of this building at the end of this year. And we looked around for months and months and months and years and couldn't find a place to move to. And so we went to you and said, what do you guys think? You know, should we get a permanent home? You said, yeah, let's do that. Let's all work towards Element having a permanent home. So we bought this field out there. Uh, our stuff is going through the city right now. We have our public hearing on March 16th. It's a little, a lot, a little behind schedule, but we're kind of moving forward with that. Uh, and you guys, during Planting Roots, pledged uh, a certain amount of money to help us to do this. So your update right now is we are 42% of the way through the journey, and we have 35% of the pledged monies come in. So you're slacking. <laughs> See, I say it in a nice way, right? At the end of my diet, right? And that's why we waited. No. Uh, so, but, but also, on the other side of that, others of you who didn't actually you know, sign up to go through the journey and, and put forth the pledge, you have actually stepped in as well, and you've been giving. So with all stuff that's come in, we're, uh, we're at 41% of the 42%. So I mean, thank you for people who didn't even you know, step in and just started giving anyway. That's, that's awesome. So uh, just letting you know, we're, we're still continuing with this. Don't forget, if you're slacking, get on the stick. <laughs> if you're giving... Thanks so much. Keep going. Uh, we're, we are doing as best we can to move forward and to, to be where we need to be at the end of this year. Uh, and again, we, we're probably going to have to get creative at the end of this year to figure out what, what's going to happen with us. But, you know, I, it's always God's plan A. It might be my plan B, but it's his plan A. I just wish he'd tell me. Because then I would tell you. We could all be prepared. But until that happens, uh, it's still his plan A. So, uh, welcome to Element. If you are new or newer, there are Bibles in the back. If you don't own one, you can have one. If you forgot one, you could use one. There's sermon notes on the communion tables throughout the room. On the inside, there's some notes that go a little bit deeper. There's also some questions in there as well that you can ask uh, you know, your family, your gospel community, your friends, and kind of go a little bit deeper with that. If you have a smartphone, you can download an app. Uh, it's called Version. Click on Live and Version. We'll come up by GPS in your smartphone. You will get sermon notes, verses, questions, announcements, all that goes along with today's message. My name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. Why don't you stand with me? Reading God's Word. 
It says Acts chapter 1, verse 23 and 24, and it says, And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbath, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Lord, you, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen. Let's pray. Father, this morning I ask that you would teach us what it means to be a people who live and trust in your leading and your guidance. That we would listen to the things that you have said, that your spirit teaches us, but also the things you have revealed in your word. And we live that out in a way that you are glorified and honored and all men would know who you are. Amen. Have a seat. Have a seat. All right, so we are in 2016, if you didn't know, but we are just flying through it because tomorrow is February. I cannot believe how fast this year's years going by so fast, but this is third week of the book of Acts. Uh, Acts details the beginnings of the early church, their stumbles, their questions, but most importantly, the leading of Jesus by a spirit which was sent to guide them and us. Uh, there's a lot to today. I feel like I'm going to jump around a lot. I thought I was all over the place last service, but somebody said, hey, that was great. And I'm like, I don't know what room you were in. But it must not have been the one I was in. So apparently God's Spirit is going to do something if you understand what I'm talking about today. Because, again, I'm going to jump around a lot and give you a lot of practical things. So open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. I'm going to start in a place where the disciples have just seen Jesus taken up into heaven. Uh, He rises like a kid's balloon that's accidentally let go after the kid walks outside the Chuck E. Cheese's. And the kids stare, and they say, where are you going, Jesus? And they're all kind of sad about that, kind of dumbfounded, because they thought Jesus was going to kill all the Romans and set up an earthly kingdom, but he doesn't. He ascends into the heavens, and we talked about this last week. As they stand there looking at Jesus, an angel shows up in Acts 1, verse 11, and says, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And so when they see him go, they're probably going, well, if you're going to go, why don't you just take us with you? I don't want to be left behind. I want you to take me too. Let this place burn. But what Jesus does instead is he leaves his disciples to live on the mission that he was and is preparing them for and take the gospel, the good news, into the entire world. What precedes what we look at today is they say to Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus says, look, it's not for you to know when this is going to happen. The Father has set these things out. So what he does is he says, you need to go back to Jerusalem and you need to wait. But you have to understand, that's all that Jews feel like they have been doing. For thousands and thousands of years, they just feel like they have been waiting for the Messiah. The Messiah is promised the first time in Genesis 3.15, where God says, I am going to send a Redeemer, He's going to save you. And this goes from Adam to Noah to Abraham to David to the prophets. These promises keep going. The Redeemer is going to come. He'll forgive sins, restore relationship with God. And the Messiah does come. He tells them they have to wait. Wait. It's like, What? I mean, we're Americans, we understand. We hate waiting. We think Amazon two-day shipping is too long. It's like the popcorn in the microwave takes too long. Like if you have an old smartphone that used to be Edge, you're like, as soon as you got LTE, you're like, the Holy Spirit has invaded my phone. This is amazing. Praise God. I don't know what to do with it. Jesus says they have to wait for something to happen, and that is the coming of God's Spirit. When God's Spirit comes, Jesus continues to lead and to guide them. Uh, This happens for all people, but also for the leaders he has established in his churches. Jesus leads these leaders, and these leaders then will lead the church. The title of today's message is Guidance That Leads Us. And this starts by waiting on the Lord. That's a big deal in the Bible. So how do the disciples do what they, what did they do while they're waiting? Starting in verse 12, Acts chapter 1. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. A Sabbath day's journey would be under a mile. Uh, this is about 0.6 of a mile, so like if you were walking to just a little past the Y, 
It's not far. They're okay. They didn't get winded. Okay? Uh, and when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. Tells you that so you don't think it's the same Judas, you know, the one that betrayed Jesus. It's another one. Uh, Judas was a very popular name at the time. Jesus' own brother was named Judas. And I mean, the, the name kind of went out of style, right? Today, nobody names their kids Adolf or Attila or Dracula or Lucifer, or things like that, right? His name has gone out of style, but verse 14. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. So what did they do while they waited? They prayed. They went themselves to prayer together with the, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brother. So they prayed. You've got to understand, God's people are meant to pray. Leadership prays. Your leadership at Element, we pray for you. Probably not as much as we should. We could do it more, but we pray for you. When I was writing this message, I'm reading a book by Tim Keller called Prayer. I know, it's all about prayer, creative title, whatever. Uh, but, but it's all about, you know, the focus and why we pray and things like that. The disciples, they gather, they prayed, and what it did is it brought unity among them of the vision that God was calling them into. In the scriptures, prayer and waiting, they are so closely linked that many times you do not even see one without the other. I mean, these guys, they don't have a map of the world. They don't have cars. They don't have airplanes. How are they going to take this message of the gospel everywhere? It starts with prayer. But prayer ultimately will lead into action. Prayer isn't meant to be, go live on the hill as a monk and pray all day long. It's your prayer is meant to move you into a place of action. Now, I know a lot of us, we don't understand prayer because we only pray after we screw things up. We're like, oh God, I'm sorry. Ah, please fix this. That's how we pray. But we're meant to pray, you know, before, during, and after. I think that that's what the disciples are beginning to do. I'll give you three things quickly about prayer. Number one, prayer is communication with God. Communication is a very important part of any relationship. If you don't talk to your spouse and you're married, you won't have a spouse very long. Okay, you have to learn how to communicate. We speak to God through prayer. God mainly speaks to us through the scriptures, but we communicate. We have a spirit and a soul, and prayer is a language for both. Second thing is, we should be praying just about, for just about everything that we go through in our lives. And thirdly, you're to pray like you're in a relationship with someone because you are in a relationship with someone. I think this is why Jesus gives them a pattern for prayer called the Lord's Prayer. So their prayer unifies them together because they're seeking Christ first. It's like as C.S. Lewis once said, that he Asked, do you think prayer is going to change God's mind? And C.S. Lewis says, I don't pray to change God. I pray and it changes me. That's what prayer is about. So prayer isn't us trying to get God's attention to inform him of something he doesn't know. Hey, God, you missed this. Help. It's for God to tell us what we don't know. This is why we wait and we get quiet and we listen for the things God wants to say to us. God's heart doesn't change. Our hearts do. And there are lots of things that God has told us throughout the scriptures. You know, certain things we pray for that I don't necessarily know if we necessarily need to. Like, uh, Jesus says you're to live on mission. So we don't need to pray, Jesus, give me a mission. Because Jesus says, I have given you a mission. Spread the gospel. Now, you pray for God. How do you want me to do that in my life? That's what you pray for. But we ha- he has given us a mission. Jesus said he's going to return. You don't pray for his return because he'll come when, when he said he would. These people pray and so that his people would all be in alignment together. We need to be a people who stop trying to manipulate or boss God around through prayer and simply use prayer to invite God into our lives so he would change us and give us the vision that he has for us so we also would be unified. I'd also like to point out that they are praying in the second story of a house or an apartment. And not only are the disciples there, but Mary, Jesus' mom, and his brothers are also there. This is a far cry from the last time you saw Jesus' brothers. And if you were raised in the Catholic tradition, you might be freaking out right now because I just said Jesus had brothers and sisters. You're like, what? 
Jesus' brothers and mother gathered to worship Jesus. One of the reasons we believe Jesus was who he said he was, king, lord of all, sinless, God of the universe, is right there. His mother and his brothers worship him as God. Anybody have siblings here? Are you more prone to think your sibling is related to God or the devil? (laughs) Satan, right? Yeah, we all, we all know that. I mean, even some of you moms, you act like you worship your kids, but you don't. You know your kids aren't sinless. In the scriptures, you see five of Jesus' brothers listed in Mark 13, 55 and Mark 6, or Matthew 13, 55 and Mark 6, 3. Plus, he also has sisters. Jesus is born by a miracle of the Spirit of God. But Mary and Joseph had normal relations after that. I don't know why some religious traditions want to go and punish Joseph for honoring God, waiting for Jesus to be born, raising him, and then never gets to sleep with his wife. What? Seriously, God loves Joseph. He doesn't hate Joseph. You know, they, they have lots of kids, which means they have lots of sex. Okay? If you're married, we wish that for all of you. Praise Jesus. Okay, so Mark chapter 3, verse 21, when Jesus starts going out and preaching, this is what it says. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. They're like, they know what he's preaching. They know what he's, they're like, we got to stop him. They're going to lock him in a room or we need to lock him in a room. We got to figure this out. So what happens from Mark 3.21 to Acts 1.14? Crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. And this is the last time in the scriptures you'll see Mary mentioned. And it's in reference to her worshiping Jesus as God. James, Jesus' brother, becomes the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Jude, his other brother, writes the book of Jude. So, Acts chapter 1, verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in, about, was in all about 120. So, the early church here, 120 people. Jesus has risen from the grave. He has been showing himself right now for a week to 40 days, somewhere in there. First uh, Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 8. The apostle Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one entirely born, he appeared also to me. So Jesus has appeared to crowds up to 500 people for 40 days, and the church is 120. There are hundreds, if not thousands, who have seen Jesus rise from the grave, and they're still not believing. Some people say, I want more evidence. It's not for lack of evidence. It's that our hearts are hard. It's that our hearts are hard. So he says, Peter stands up among them, it's 120, and he said, so this is after prayer, after direction from God, they're unified. Peter stands up to lead them under the guidance of Jesus and God's Spirit. This is why Prayer is important, and guidance is important, and this is what he says. Verse 16, brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled. So it starts in prayer, then where does it go? Brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled. Starts in prayer, where does it go? The scriptures. The Bible. Hopefully you got one. If not, you version, it's right there. It's all on your palm on your phone. LTE, super fast. Okay, it's right there. Good leadership is going to read and follow and listen to the scriptures. You know, at Element, we are a church who is all about the Bible. We love the Bible. We'll talk about it till we're blue in the face. The scripture is meant to lead all of us. So he says, brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry, meaning he was a disciple. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. I saw this movie. Don't watch it. Okay? 
Uh, and he, it became known to all inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their own language, Akeldamah. Sounds like one of the 12 districts of Pan Am, but it's not. That is filled of blood. Then he quotes two Psalms. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it. And secondly, let another take his office. So essentially, I'll boil this down for you. Okay? There's a crisis that has arisen. Jesus has 12 disciples. One of them betrayed Jesus, so he is arrested and handed over to be crucified. Judas ends up having a field with this blood money. Then he hangs himself. He falls down. He hits some rocks, and his innards gush out. Why is this a crisis? Because Jesus had 12 real disciples. Today, when there's a problem in a church where there's a moral failing, that takes place, a lot of people leave. And they blame God and say, oh, why did God do this when it was that dummy's fault that did it? Here you have a failure of one of the main guys has betrayed God and committed suicide. That's pretty bad. Okay, If you didn't know, that's pretty bad. So Peter steps up and makes some decisions after prayer and consulting God's word. He is going to guide them and lead them under Jesus' guidance. It's like a family is under the guidance of the parents. Uh, the Trinity is Father, Son, and Spirit. That language shows submission. A church is meant to be under the leadership of its pastors who are under the leadership of its head pastor, who is Jesus. And I know I keep coming back to this, but if you've got a big idea for today, this is it. They prayed. They sought scripture. That is how the only way we begin to lead and guide is praying and scripture. It brought unity among them. Peter steps forward to lead them. It's what they needed. They didn't need a committee or 20 different plans for everyone to vote on. They needed a leader. How does Peter lead? By following the Bible. That's how he leads. If you want a, if you want a good and godly leader, see how they view the scriptures and Jesus. See what else they bring to the table. Yes, obviously, but how do they view Jesus and how do they live that out? One of the reasons that we are doing the book of Acts is that some of you are young, you're going to get married and you're going to move. Some of you are in the military, you're here for a couple months or a couple years, and then you're going to move. Some of you, at some point, may get mad at me. It has happened before, okay? And, and you might leave. It, it, it could all happen. But one of the things we want you to see through Acts is when you look for another church or you have to move somewhere or something like that, you look for certain characteristics. You don't just go to the one that sounds fun. You go to the one that has certain things. And this is our leadership that is trying to guide you in certain ways about this. As we go through Acts, I'm going to give you some of the things we're going to talk about and things we need, think you need to find in a church. First off, a church that has worship that reminds you who Jesus is and what he continues to do. That it isn't a place that when they say worship, they just mean music. It means that worship is not only music, it is teaching and listening and praying and singing and loving and gathering in community and having parties and living on mission. That as a place that has preaching that changes you, that calls you into something deeper, that is based on the scriptures. It's not five steps to be kind and four steps to be happy and who here's who to vote for in your next election cycle. That, that's not what they preach Jesus. It's discipleship that grows you, where you learn to live the gospel in each other's lives in authentic gospel community, where you will step into one another's lives and speak hard things, knowing that you still love each other in the midst of it, that you would be taught a mission that challenges you to grow out of your self-centeredness and your pride, that, that you would see the gospel and it be preached in the way that confronts you, and all the things that you hold so dear to your heart be let go, and Jesus would come and take over everything. That you'd have a community that encourages you and honors Jesus and is not afraid of the word accountability. That you would have a leadership in a church that you would find that would care for you in ways that transcend just being nice. That would share hard truths with you even when you don't like it and even when you get mad about it. That you would have a place that have, has a deep theology that would inform you and push you toward understanding and growth of the deep things of Jesus. That, that it would call you to die to yourself. 
to die to yourself and live a life that puts Jesus before everything else. That the words they speak would encourage you to scatter into your neighborhoods and your workplaces and your schools and you would speak and live the message of the kingdom. That it would be a place that practices events like, and rites like baptism when you gather together and we unify because we speak words of commitment in front of each other. They have a leadership structure you know, that would learn how to discipline in a way that restores you, that grace would be spoken in a way that all realize they're welcome, even when we aren't always politically correct. That there'd be a vision of seeing God get glory in all things, and as people find joy, that salvation would be preached because Jesus' redemption is so much bigger than us, and that we would understand this redemptive witness is larger than us, and we'd humbly submit everything to Him. And I'm not saying that element does those things perfectly. If you've been around a lot, you know we don't. But these are the things that we are looking for in God to do in us. And those are the things we'll cover in the book of Acts. But today, we want you to see a guidance that leads us. That if and whenever you go somewhere other than the element, you find a church that guides you because it is first led by Jesus, period. By Jesus. One of our convictions at Element is we always go back to the scriptures. In Matthew 5, 17, Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill them. So you realize all the scriptures are about Jesus. Peter starts by leading this church by saying the scriptures had to be fulfilled. Everything God said has come to pass. A virgin gives birth to a son. He lives a sinless life. He dies in our place for our sin. He rises from the grave. He ascends into heaven. He sends the Holy Spirit to empower the church to live on mission. Jesus promised, I'm coming back. We don't know when, but we trust him that that's going to happen. We read the scriptures and we realize these are the very words of God. And that should bring some excitement into our lives and some joy and some strength because we rest our lives on it. And your leadership will never be able to guide you if we ever left the truths of scripture behind. Any leader who won't trust and listen to the scriptures should not be followed. Period. Peter says, verse 21, So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptisms of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. So he makes a decision, we've got to replace Judas. And the criteria is someone who was with them the entire time of Jesus' ministry. Someone who witnessed the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus. So Peter says, what makes someone qualified to be in that position is they witness the resurrection. It's why later we will call the Apostle Paul an apostle, because he saw the resurrected Christ. I mean, Jesus like beat him up and blinded him, but he saw Jesus. So this becomes a narrow band with the people. If we take our gospel class, you will see that we believe that there is a gift called apostleship. We define that as this. Someone who has a mixture of gifts that enable him or her to proclaim the gospel with boldness and plant new churches. So there, but we believe there's a difference between the gift and the office. And today there's a lot of people running around claiming the office of being an apostle. And we would say that's really hard if you're not 2,000 years old. Just saying, okay? So when you look at, at what's ha- taking place here, you've got to look at the ramifications of the resurrection. First, there's the historical event of the resurrection, but then the principle of it. The, at the center of the resurrection is proclamation of the gospel. One writer says, resurrection is an answer to the problem of endings, that everything in our lives comes to an end except Jesus and his redemption of us. Of that, there is no end. And so resurrection is that something is new. A new creation means the old is gone, the new has come. It's not the destruction of the world, it's the redemption of it. And so here what you see is that Judas is dead, that Jesus rose from the grave. What could have been an ending for that church becomes a new beginning for the church. This is what you see. So it says, and they put forward to Joseph called Barsabbath. That means son of the Sabbath. So he's probably born on a Saturday, who is also called Justice and Matthias. That means gift from God. And they 
prayed. There it is again. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, because he does, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Now, a lot of people have questions like, what is this casting lots? What is that? People think it's like gambling or something. It's mentioned 70 times in the Old Testament. It's mentioned seven times in the New. People think it's like, hey, Jesus needs a new pair of shoes. Or Jesus needs a new disciple. What, what's it going to be? That, that's not what it is. What happens is they come down to two candidates, and they essentially let God choose. And the law falls to Matthias. We don't really know what it is or how this happened when it comes to Matthias. But you have to understand this. This is before Pentecost. This is before the coming of God's Spirit, the indwelling of His Spirit. After the moment of Pentecost, you never see them cast lots again. In all the ancient writings of the early church, no one ever casts lots because the Holy Spirit is now meant to lead us and to guide us into what God is calling us to. We have the Holy Spirit, we have prayer, and we have the New Testament revelation of the Scriptures. It all comes back to prayer and the Scriptures. If you don't get anything else I say today, you get those two things. Prayer, Scriptures. That's it. What are you talking about? I don't know. Prayer, Scriptures. Bam! You got it. Good. You're like, you spent a lot of time just to get me to, to get that. Now, why are 12 apostles important? Because you've got to understand, this is a group of Israelites, okay? They've got a long heritage. Uh, 12 spies are sent into Canaan before they get into the Promised Land. 12 sons of Jacob become the 12 tribes of Israel. God places his people into these 12 tribes for leadership and guidance. Why does Jesus choose 12 disciples? Well, number one, he's claiming authority to reorganize the people of God, something only God could do. And secondly, in choosing 12 disciples, he's showing he's reorganizing that around himself. The 12 tribes are organized around these patriarchs and choosing 12 disciples. Jesus reorganizes the people of God where it's supposed to be around himself. The focus goes to where it was always meant to be. This is why for Jewish disciples there had to be 12. It meant Judas had to be replaced for them. Chris Baker writes this, With less than 12, the Jewish mind would have seen the people of God as being incomplete because they understood the parallel Jesus was making when he himself chose 12 disciples. I mean, we look at it today and we think, oh, well, why? That's because you're not Jewish and you weren't raised in that culture. In that culture, that's the first place the gospel goes to is out to the Jewish people. And so they need to understand it and they would connect better in this. As what you have to understand in here, this leadership that guides, God is doing it in a way so it connects well with his people and with everyone else. The leadership that gets chosen needs to be people who walk with Jesus, who have known hard times and good times. I mean, this is why one of the reasons that you're elders and element, we have gone through some stuff in our lives. We have known hard times. We have known good times. But it all comes back in our lives with prayer and the scriptures. Prayer and the scriptures. And leaders must not be afraid to speak about Jesus, to speak the truth of the gospel. I mean, part, part of what is going on here is Peter has to deal with the elephant in the room, right? For 2,000 years, Judas is going to come up. Okay, so we've got to deal with it right here. And Peter, he doesn't mourn. He doesn't wonder, did I do something wrong? Could I have fixed this? He doesn't spend all his time looking in the past. What he realizes is Jesus is the one who redeems the past and holds the future in his hands, so he presses onward. And what happens today is what probably happened in the early church. A lot of people got fixated on Judas. And what happened with him? People say things, oh, well, was Judas ever saved? Did Judas lose his salvation? I mean, if anybody deserved to lose salvation, it would have been that Judas guy right there. I mean, you don't betray Jesus and get away with it. Hammer hammer comes down. See, this is all a bad question because we focus in the wrong spot. If you notice, Peter is always now steering them back to focusing on prayer and the scriptures. You focus on Jesus and who he is. 
See, what you have to understand, it, the, the question isn't, can I lose my salvation? It can, it's, can God ever lose you? The focus has to be on God. If we did nothing to earn our salvation, how do we unearn it? And was Judas ever saved? I don't know. I mean, people can give you a list of why he was, a list of why he wasn't. But if I think if I see him in heaven, that'll be the most amazing act of grace I will ever see. I mean, I'll give you this, because I think it's much more important to think about this. If Judas lived with Jesus three whole years, if he saw him do the things he did, if he saw Lazarus come out of the grave and still deny Jesus, what makes us think we're better than him? What makes us think that we're so much better than him? So the question becomes, do we really love Jesus? Do we live under his guidance and among his leadership? Because love is not a feeling. Love is commitment. In Romans 5.8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That, that's not a term of feeling mushy. That's a term of commitment that Christ came and died for us while we were running away from God. We, we, there's all these questions that, that come out of this. Uh, you know, do, first off, do you really love Jesus? The second thing is, if Judas spent all this time with Jesus, you know, in the end, it revealed what was in his heart. So, what's in your heart? What's in your heart? If you really spent, sat down and spent time in prayer and the scriptures, what would it reveal about your heart? What is, we reveal what is actually in there. Because I will tell you, we spent some time talking about leadership and guidance today and what that looks like. And yes, the church has leaders. But do you know that you are also called to be a leader? You lead somewhere. It may not be at Element, but you lead maybe in your family or with your friends or maybe at your workplace. There is somebody in your life that is going to look to you for leadership. And how do you lead? Because you will have the opportunity to lead and guide. Will you lead people to Jesus or away from him? Will you lead like Judas? Will you lead like Peter? Do you start in prayer or do you start in action? Do you follow the scriptures only when it's convenient? Or do you follow the scriptures when it gets hard? How do you lead and guide? It's very easy to sit in a church in a room like this and say, oh, well, it's those guys. Those guys have to lead. Those guys, and boy, they are not doing a good job. You know, and just, ah. But you have to understand that God has called every single one of us be witnesses of the gospel. That means every single one of us in our lives become leaders. And how are you going to lead? Prayer and the scriptures. That's how you lead. That's where you have to go back to. Again, I told you when we started, this is very practical today. Because, yes, you can point the finger at us all all you want and all of our failings, but it also comes back to you and your leadership and your guidance and what that looks like. Because it's not just about praying, and not just about reading the Bible and learning all this stuff. It's living that out. How do you live out the things that God has spoken into your life? This is why we talk about communion. I mean, communion is that place where you break that cracker like Christ's body is broken for us. You dip it in the wine of the grape juice. It reminds us of his blood that was shed for you and me. Why? Because we understand that our focus is not to be us. It is meant to be him. And when our focus is where it is meant to be, that is when we can actually lead and guide well. We are meant to be a people who are centered in our relationship with God, understand that he has spoken to us through the scriptures. And we begin to live that out in ways in front of everybody else. And this isn't meant for you to feel shame when you fail. It's meant for you to understand that when we do stumble and fall, it all goes back to what he has said in the scriptures, and we follow him, and we realize he is the one who is picking us up, and he is the one who is placing us on mission again. It's not like you mess up and you're just done. He's like, he's like, great, you fell down, let's get you back up. I paid for your sins, so let's move forward. Trust me, walk with me, because you are going to lead somewhere in your life. And sometimes when you fall and fail and mess up horribly, that's some of the best places you can lead, because people will see how you deal with the failure. People will see how you lead as Jesus begins to redeem and restore you again. 
people be like, wow, that's what God can do. That's the healing God can bring. Yes, because you are leading and guiding, starting in prayer and the scriptures. The band's going to come up. As they do, we invite you to take communion, be some deacons and elders in the back, and if you need prayer, I mean, maybe you're in a place where you just, everything when you pray and talk to God right now is just buzzing, like you don't know what to do, and what's, I, can't, I can't hear you, I can't figure these things out, what's, what's going on. Uh, they would love to pray with you about that. I mean, maybe you're in a place where you have maybe some people underneath you at work, and you're like, how do I lead them, you know, in a way to show them who Jesus is without looking like a Bible thumper, you know, or because... That, that's a negative connotation, right? What you want to do is you want to lead them to authentic relationships with Jesus. You know, and so maybe you need some prayer about that. I will tell you, it, understanding prayer in the scriptures and how God leads us rightly and truly, I mean, th- this, this will revolutionize the relationships in our lives. There's offering boxes inside and on the back, and we give because God gave so much to us, giving us that part of our worship. Uh, we don't pass the plate. Uh, leadership that guides you reminds you that giving is part of our worship. Uh, there's food and stuff in the back. Grab something to eat, get to know some other people, maybe talk through some of the questions in the sermon notes, and maybe deal with some of that stuff. You know, who in your life are you placed a leader in front of? You know, and then how are you doing with that? And how does that work? And, you know, do you need prayer to refocus where your, your eyes need to be? Because it's, it's a high calling, but it's amazing. Because I'll tell you, God doesn't have to use us, but He does. But He does. Because he loves working with his kids. He loves working with his kids. Even though we're a bunch of stinking knuckleheads. Okay? He loves working with us. I don't know why. right? If, if it was up to me and I was all powerful, I'd be like, just get out of the way. I'll do it. right? But he uses us. And in that, the only way we become truly effective in who he calls us to be is prayer and the scriptures. That's where, where it starts. Focusing on who Jesus is first, obviously, but prayer and the scriptures. Moving forward, trusting him. And so that's my leadership that guides today, prayer and the scriptures. Let's pray. Father, this morning I ask you to take us and move us to a place where we understand the necessity for prayer. And that prayer isn't just asking for things, but having a conversation with you that at times we get quiet and we listen. We shut off the radio in our car so we're not always distracted. We turn off the TV. And we listen to the things that you want to say to us we ask that your spirit would lead us into the place that we need to be that our hearts would be open to hear the things that you are saying and even when they're hard and we want to buck and fight against it we would submit because following and obeying you is so much better than obeying ourselves We ask that you would take our hearts, you would lay them bare before you, you would take off the calluses, and your spirit would move and speak, and we would be led in the places that you long to take us. That we, as your people, would lead those around us to know you and live for you and understand you better because of the relationships that you have placed around us. Teach us to understand the importance of communication with you, your communication to us through the scriptures and the leading of your spirit. Have us today. 
be a people with open hearts and open lives before you, trusting you for all things. We ask this in your son's good name. Amen.